from the Comedy Zone at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast and email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Spencer Taylor. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast. Uh, right back at you for another week. Uh, really excited this week. Uh, we still have Spencer on assignment, though. So that creates a bit of a a bit of a thing because, frankly, uh, she's sapping up our budget. We only have but so much money to send people to places, and we've sent Spencer to a bunch of different places, and uh, she's eating up a lot of the show money. So this may be one of the more bootleg versions of the podcast because she Spencer's eating up our budget. So I hope she comes back with some good shit. But in the meantime, in between time, we got a very special uh, co-host in the building today, Mr. J.D. Caldwell. Welcome, J.D. What's up, everybody? Glad, yes. And glad for, to be here. For those of you that don't know, uh, for the people that don't know J.D., tell them a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's up, guys? I've been from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, this is my hometown. I've uh, been doing podcasting for a few years now, as well as stand-up comedy um, for longer than that, eight years, I believe, I'm, I'm hitting now. Too Ooh. long. Woo! Too long, no money. Um, you said that you guys have a budget, and I immediately got jealous. So, <laughs> well, well, we uh, eight years. That's like that's like going to college twice. Yeah, yeah, and failing every year. Well, see, so you <laughs> you must know a whole lot of shit. You could, I mean, it's experience. It's kind of like you know being a pilot. You know, the more times you get behind and fly the plane and and not crash it, the better. Right, so. right. Now your back your background is in kind of radio. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So I was. I did actually go to actual school uh unc charlotte um their architecture school and architecture makes you think all weird crazy i couldn't handle it dropped out of that um some people will say i failed out of it i'm gonna say i dropped out of it <laughs> um then i went to a broadcasting school the connecticut school of broadcasting oh, right yeah. down uh, south charlotte and they have a campus down there great studios phenomenal studios um high-tech equipment and stuff like that and honestly ever since i graduated there in 2012 that's where i've been hanging out most of my saturdays you kind of got a nice voice for radio. Well, thank you. I mean, now I'm most, blushing. Yeah, yeah. I like your I like your radio voice. It's my mine is weird, but I like I like the way JD sound. I, you got a good voice. Why do you not think you have a good voice? I don't. I just don't like hearing myself. People are like weird that. about hearing themselves. Are you, you know? weird about hearing yourself? I used to be. Very yeah. used to be. Like I mean, it's it's just whenever you get into this um, dealing with technology and and podcasting and stuff like that. In order to get better, you kind of gotta Kanye yourself. You gotta mm. like. You got to listen to yourself more and more, and then you got to tell people, hey, this is what I was doing, and, and it gets weird. It, it does, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And and that's the that's the tough part because it's like they always say you should record yourself mm-hmm. and listen to yourself to get better, and uh, I do that, but it's like pulling teeth listening to my voice. I didn't even like, like you know how you like leave a voicemail, and then it'll say to hear your message, <laughs> you know, and then, and then anytime I hear that or when I listen to my outgoing message, I'm like, I sound like a fucking cornball. <laughs> like, I never like, either I sound to this or to that. There's something I don't like, but then I, you know, you do the shows and people seem to like to hear it i'm like i don't know what the hell y'all like so much because I, I i hate this voice i'm coming but. well everybody's their their own harshest critic and i mean as long as as soon as you can get that in the back of your brain like oh i'm really beating myself up then like mm-hmm. you can you can digest like everything that you don't like about what you're hearing because you right. gotta it's almost like you have to trust everybody else's 
opinion over yours, which as a comedian is very hard to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's there is. I will say this. There's one time a day when I do like my voice. And that's oddly when I wake up because I have a like a real deep kind of Barry White kind of thing that happens. So if you call me when I wake up, I'm like, you know, hello. Like it's real LL kind of yeah. lick my lips, throw the peace sign kind of sound when that's- I wake up. But then once you get around noon, you know, I'm doing all that shit. But when I wake up, though, that's my problem. Time like that's when you got to record your voice messages. Then that's what I and morning morning sex has always been great for me because women love to roll. Like I've had a lot of morning sex, I haven't, but I just feel like if women had been there all those times, like the times when I wake up, like now I have a wife, but she doesn't even wake up when I do, so she don't really get to hear it. She doesn't hear it until I'm all high pitched. But good morning, baby. Good morning. And speaking of, speaking of uh, having a wife, I. I got married. A lot of the uh, audience knows. I don't know if I'll talk about it on the podcast, but I got married about seven months ago now. How's that going, man? It's going pretty good, but I remember talking with you about yeah, that. Yeah, man. That's, we had a good conversation. That's why I'm excited to have. Part of the reason I'm excited to have you yeah. here is because we had a long conversation about marriage because you had just gotten married. Yep. How long How long have you been uh, married? I've been married about two years now. Two and years. Um, we, we were dating, I think, two years before that. So four years total. And um, yeah, it, it, the weirdest thing about getting married is everybody thinks that it's this big giant thing that has to make things change between mm-hmm. the two of you. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if after like if you get married to somebody and things change drastically between the two of you, then you fucked up. Like, <laughs> like that. It's not supposed to change. I mean, honestly, you, it's just a title that that everybody else is concerned with. The two of you shouldn't really be concerned with it. Right. But it's. I like it. I enjoy it. Um, there's a person there. I can't. If I got a spot on my back that I can't scratch it, she's right there. She's like, I got you, baby. And that's cool. And I do the same thing. And I might unhook her bra strap when I'm scratching her back or something. But <laughs> a little slick shit. Yeah, yeah. You can still do the slick shit with her. And so, and and I honestly, I I love her to death because she actually just got a job up here at the Comedy Zone oh, working yeah. with us. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So you're gonna be working. Yeah. Well, because you do some work here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I come like I, it's a comedy. This is where I want to be. I want to surround myself with all of you know the funny stuff that's happening. And and, and getting the vibe and just absorb everything. Now, doing that, it, it kind of takes you away from the home life where she is at and like where she wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then whenever I'm there, she's always complaining about how we don't make money and how we don't <laughs> spend any time together. So mm-hmm. to knock you know, two birds with one stone, I'm like, you're getting a job up here. Like, come hang go. out. So um, you can kill that both exactly. right there. We'll make a little bit of money. It's not much money. Right. But we get to spend time together and enjoy the good times, you know? Well, and plus, and, and I got to say this, it helps, too, that you have a really dope wife. Like, I've yeah, met your thanks, wife before. Man. Like, I really enjoy, I enjoy meeting her. I enjoy y'all's interaction. Thank you. Thank like, you. yeah, she, she's real cool. So it makes it easier, like you said before. It does. When you got somebody that even if y'all weren't married, you could hang out with some. Right. Like she's that kind of yeah. lady for y'all that, you know. She's know. down. She's down. Where's your lady been? How come I got to hang out with her? Man, she, uh, she works late. Yeah. She works late, so a lot of times she can't make it to the shows. Um, and then, you know, the open mic that I run and stuff, she can't make it out there. Um, yeah. And then by the time I get home, she's asleep. That's probably for the better that she doesn't make it to the open mics. Yeah, I don't really want her. To, <laughs> nah, it gets it gets real because that's you know that's where you work out your yeah, stuff. Exactly, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that ain't polished. Yeah, it's like it's 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 like going to the gym. It smells really bad, but the smell isn't there. You right. Like it, you know what I mean? It's exactly like that, <laughs> and and that's why uh, it's probably better that that she can't make those. But I hope to get her around more. But then it's it's weird because she'll come to some of the shows. Mm. 
um, you know, if I'm out of town or something, she'll come with me on depending on where it is. But it's always weird for her because I noticed that she spends most of her time just watching the rest of the crowd. Like, she doesn't really listen to me because she's heard it all. Right. So it's like, eh, whatever. He's doing his thing. But she's like, you should have seen this one woman at the table two over. Oh, my gosh. She almost spilled her drink. Like, those are her highlights. I'm like, but what about the joke I did? I don't know about that. But I saw this woman behind me. Like, that's her whole thing. So it's it's, it's fun. Does, uh, does your wife, does she ever try to, like, hone your material? Man, listen. She used to do, she used to do a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, she would hear my act. And some things I would say, she'd be like, well, that, just, that makes me look bad. Ah. So we need to. And I'm like, listen, I'm an artist, okay? Yes. I have to be free to express and create without what is my wife going to think. Mm. Like, in my mind, you have to trust me that I'm going to be respectful of you and our marriage. Very true. Like, you have to trust the person you married and let me do my thing. And, you know, so it was a little of that, like, well, we don't want... And then, here, here's how my wife used to be, because she <laughs> she had to come along a little bit. Like, she's trained me in some areas, but I've trained her in some areas. Yeah, yeah. Like, my wife came up with this cockamamie-ass scheme. <laughs> What is a cockamamie? Dude, I don't don't even say cockamamie, but this shit was cockamamie. My wife came up with this thing where it was like she wanted to buy me two wedding rings. She wanted to get me one regular ring that I liked. It's like a black metallic kind of joint. Mm -hmm. But then she wanted some bright, loud-ass gold ring to let women know. On, when I'm on stage that I'm married. So I'm, I'm like, because at first I thought she was just being cool enough to buy me two rings. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow, you want to get me two? That's what's up. One for my brown suits, one for my gray. She was like, yeah. No, then we got into it. I'm like, no, she's just talking about hoe repellent. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not that's it. That's not love. That's, you just want to tell, look, bitches, that I didn't sign that's up. That's her that. trademark. That's what she was wanting to do. She was branding you. Yes. And then she had friends that told her that was a good idea. I'm like, first of all, I don't like your circle. Let's talk about your circle. So, you know, but she's gotten past that now, man. She used to be real weird about uh, my ring, about my material, and about fans. Mm. Like, um, you know, when I would come out to a show and if I took a picture with a a female fan, uh, it couldn't be too close or, oh, I don't like that distance. You know, it'd be that kind of stuff. But I'm I'm like, look, I'm an entertainer. Like, I know the lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she's she's slowly evolving to where it's like, that ain't about nothing. But that's that trust issue because in her defense, a lot of in- entertainers don't know the line that this where it's true. at. And so that's why you see a lot of these entertainers getting married and, and it falling apart or, or having to just say single. And then the majority of the material is talking about how they can't hold anybody, you know, hold a relationship together or whatever. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point, man. And, and she used to bring that up. And I would throw out examples, but then it was messed up because I, it, it's been about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of me talking with her about this. And I used to throw out these examples like, look at such and such, look at such and such, look at such and such. And it seemed like every person I named, like a month later, they were getting divorced. <laughs> like I said, look at Chris Rock. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh yeah, what is up with that? He's getting divorced. <laughs> look That's... at Kevin Hart. Oh, look at Steve Harvey. Yeah. And then these people like have like, you do the research and they got like five divorces. Yep. And it's like, yo, yep. this is not helping my case. No, it's not. At all. It so, doesn't. And if, if, if Jerry Seinfeld and his wife break up, I'm screwed. Because that's <laughs> about the last one I got. Now, I know George Carlin, um, he had a wife up until the day that he died. And I don't know if they were always married, but there was all, she was always with him through his whole entire career. Mm. And I think they went through a couple breakups, but at the very end, like they were together for, you know, a good solid 10, 15 years or so. So, wow. I mean, that's something. It's doable. It, exactly. It is doable. So how has been, how, how has your wife been about your comedy? What's been I mean, she's it? just like, I don't like that. I don't <laughs> like that. You, you talk about Taco Bell too much. And <laughs> it's like, I, I, I eat it a lot and I don't know what to tell you. And, and then she's like, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about you know, smoking a little bit of weed here and there and, 
all the time and she's <laughs> and she's all like she's all like I don't like how much you talk about weed but then we'll get home and we'll be arguing and she'll be like you need to go smoke some weed <laughs> so, so that's our go to exactly. for you right and right. so now I'm getting caught between you know her like getting mad because I talk about real life things on stage which happened to be the weed that she tells me to smoke at the house right. because I'm getting annoyed with whatever she wants me to do right and so it's 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 funny because she thinks that she doesn't have that much of an effect on what is happening out there on the stage and in the comedy and stuff but she has like the utmost effect on tremendous, it you know what i mean tremendous like, and and as as married men i think you know you can you can appreciate what they bring to the table and the in the conflicts that that happen but in the end like as long as the love is there it'll it'll grow you know and i'm gonna tell you i i agree 100 percent with that and i think that it, it's good particularly for comedians if you have somebody there's a certain stability yes. that, a, that a relationship and a marriage brings. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's like almost like playing freeze tag and you got home base. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? So it's no matter what kind of wild, crazy stuff I get into on stage and all this stuff, I know that at such and such a clock, I'm going to be back home at home base recharging for the next day. And that's a good place to be because I got kind of a wild personality <laughs> to where if I didn't have a commitment, like right. I could be somewhere butt naked mm-hmm. under a bridge. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what would be happening with me <laughs> if I didn't have that kind of responsibility. So she she kind of regulates me that way. She's the stability. She's the total opposite personality of me. Like I describe her, me as the volcano and she's the robot. Say, yeah. I you know what I totally mean? Understand. Like totally un- yeah, exactly. She's very direct and knows what she wants when she wants it. And, and then, you know, I, I got, I'm opposite of that. I have no idea what I want. I just want to go out and be funny, but there's not, you can't have a rigorous schedule to that at all. But yeah. her, she's very rigorous about this and that. And like, she's mowing the lawn right now because I don't have any time to do it. <laughs> and, but, Dang. but I mean, I'm happy that she's like, she'll just be like, well, the lawn, needs to be mowed well I, I gotta go do this podcast this morning honey and right. and then but she is there to pick up the pieces of of the my quote-unquote responsibilities to man responsibilities to have at the house and that's that's it's it's nice it's very nice to have because i don't want tall grass in my front yard right you know so i want, I want to it to be that. nice and manicured and i want to and it's nice that she is very welcoming with all that like she like i said she is the she is the the she's my robin if i'm batman Mm -hmm. she's my robin Mm -hmm. and together we can you know whoop joker's ass that's all that's what's up man and and it i like i like that too because everything you're describing right now you can't have any of that if there's not a belief in you exactly and that's and that's what what is powerful and i and i realized that from meeting your wife too is that she believes in you like when you have a woman that cuz this comedy thing i mean like uh, it's, you, you if you want to talk statistics on who quote unquote <laughs> makes it, like that shit is discouraging. Very. But when you have a teammate that's like, look, it, and to marry you, she's got to sign up. Like I'm taking this ride with you. Mm-hmm. So when you got somebody that's behind you that believes in you like that, that's a powerful thing. Very dude. powerful, and and you can't even put words to that. Like it's it's hard to. The teammate thing is the best way to describe it for sure because it's it's that support factor there. You know, she's like she's like she's like the bra supporting the breasts. <laughs> so you the breast. I'm the breast. <laughs> I'm the breast. And and I she's like and she's the support. And and so but and then at the same time I try to give her my support at home and things like that. She's a school teacher. She goes crazy at school mm. with all these crazy kids out there. And and then like she'll end up she goes to work, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. 
gets done hour and a half after school is over, has to go sit in traffic for half hour, 45 minutes. By the time she gets home, she's raging out of control <laughs> and just angry at just everything in the world. And so I try to just, you know, I, I that's now I have to be the one supporting her. Now I'm the bra and yeah. she's the bruise. And <laughs> and now I'm like, honey, just sit down, kick your feet up, turn on some TV. Here's a here's a beer. Her favorite beer is Bud Light Lime. There you and go. That's so, a good woman. Yeah. Yeah. And here's a beer. Well, just relax. Now, granted, we 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 have these freedoms because we don't have kids yet. That's true. So that yeah, that helps yeah. out a lot. And and um, but it's this, it's a whole teammate thing, man. Like if you don't understand being what it's what it means to be a teammate through the good and the bad then you don't understand what it's like to have a steady, stable, comforting relationship to be a part of. Right. Know? It's just like the facts of life, man. You take the good, you take the bad. Uh, Roll the you, punches. Yeah, I don't know how the rest of that shit goes, but I know that's how, how it starts. <laughs> uh, okay, so well, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, I've been providing a weekly update to all the listeners on this boot camp I've been doing. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard about that. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing, I, I've been calling it, well, I've just been calling it the boot camp. Okay, uh, okay. But, but I've been doing it now for... I think about four weeks. I've been doing it for four weeks, and um, we had the fourth week now, and I've, I've dropped some weight. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, now, how much weight have you dropped? I've I've dropped a total of 23 pounds. I've dropped a total of 23 pounds. Uh, that's where I'm at at this point. I didn't lose any weight this week. Uh, I had some shows up in Greensboro. wasn't able to work out as much as I wanted to. Now, did you tell that to your boot camp instructor? Uh, to get a refund? Yeah, yeah, about how you, how you haven't lost any weight this week. Uh, well, yeah, but it's kind of tough to ask for a refund when you didn't lose any because you didn't come. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a chink in the boot camp armor. But, uh, yeah, so so um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this segment up, though, because uh, the wonderful, amazingly talented uh, Miss Rachel Feinstein has come in, and we're so excited to have her. So let's cut on out of this and get to the interview. Hey guys, it's Brian again. This weekend at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, Rachel Feinstein is in town. Two shows on Friday, June 19th and Saturday, June 20th. Coming up on Father's Day, Sunday night, June 21st, treat your dad to TK Kirkland. Fight night on Tuesday, June 23rd as local comics squaring off and looking for your vote. Next week, Wednesday through Saturday, it's comedy hypnotist Rich Guzzi. And the late shows on Friday and Saturday are triple X rated. You won't want to miss Rich Guzzi at the Comedy Zone. For all tickets and upcoming events, including Jim Norton, Michael Ian Black, and more, check out the Comedy Zone at cltcomedyzone.com. Follow The Zone on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Zone CLT. And you can find the club at Facebook to keep up with it all. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. Uh, like I alluded to before we went to the break, we're sitting here with the amazing Rachel Feinstein. Welcome. Welcome. I like your soft, slow jam voice. Is that what yeah. I have? See, it's the morning time. You got it right yeah, now. It's the morning. It's My voice. Yeah. It's velvety. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, uh, Cinderella. Like it's my voice. Like butter. Yeah. That my voice changes at noon. Like that's <laughs> the glass slipper comes off this thing. So that's why we tape it in the morning. Because at noon I'm like, well, why is it like I get very messed up? Uh, so <laughs> welcome to the to the podcast. Welcome to Charlotte. You you doing uh, shows here this weekend? Yes. Uh, have you been here? Is this your first time here? You've been no. Here um, I've been here a couple times, but this is my second time I think here at uh, the Comedy Zone here. But it's everybody's really nice to me it's nice 
Yeah. How how fine. how would these crowds differ than New York and some other? Have you noticed differences in maybe Southern crowds or? You know, it's weird because you sometimes and there's definitely places that I go and they just like look at me like I'm a suspicious, confusing <laughs> whore, and, and then I feel really judged. And then other places and they'll be like the most welcoming crowd ever. But you really can't trace it to like Southern and Northern or Eastern. Yeah, because I mean. It's just, it's just like weird. It's really, like, you can't, you can't. There's no tracing of it. Like, I mean, because not fully. I mean, the crowds last night were amazing. Yeah. You saw them; they were yeah, great. They were you great. had a great set. Thank yeah, you. And, thank um, you so much. The crowds were ridiculous. Yeah, they were just like fun, and I mean, they were drunk, but you could, they didn't give a shit. You could say anything to them, and nobody was like heckling them, and they were up for whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to say where that's going to happen and where it's not. You know? Yeah. Well, that's well. I I tell you one thing I really enjoy about uh, your performance is you take on a bunch of different voices and personas when you're on stage. Like one minute you could be impersonating your mother, and the next minute you could be impersonating Ti or Snoop Dogg. Like it it just doesn't. You range all over the place. Uh, has that always been like that? Have you always been kind of good at impersonating different? Yeah, I always liked Im- imitating people's voices when I was a kid. Uh, um, I would. Uh... I just liked listening to people's affectations and the way they spoke or it's an odd like word choice they used or something. And I tried to imitate them. And like a lot of comics, I think I was probably doing like so badly in school and other areas of my <laughs> life that I was like, oh, I can get attention, some sort of positive attention this way. And I think a lot of comics say that, you know, mm-hmm. there's yeah some cocktail of despair in your childhood. And, yeah. <laughs> and innate ability to do comedy. <laughs> now that now that led into because I saw where you uh, did a voice for Grand Theft Auto. You yes. were on the video. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is the coolest. That like that's the coolest thing in the world to me. What? Who did you play? Are yeah, you allowed we, to say who you were? Yeah, we got a bet on this. I, honestly, yeah, we had a we bet, got on a bet who on this. I don't know. I don't really? remember. What, I don't remember. Yeah, I never listened to the game. I don't you never know. Played Grand Theft Auto. I've never played Grand Theft Auto. But it's I, like I should because. I had people on the street ask me about that. It's always the thing that you think nobody's going to, like, I didn't know. I mean, it was a popular game, but it was like bananas after that. Everybody was writing to me through my website about it, and I was getting all these tweets about it, I get, you know, because the games are so ridiculously oh, popular, I guess. Scary. But I just, when I did it, I didn't think that that was going to be the thing. I probably had done some other, like, yeah, it probably arrived for my half-hour special on Comedy Central, and yeah, <laughs> nobody brought that up, but everyone's like, Grand Theft Auto, holy shit, you know? <laughs> But, um, I got a whole new fan base from that. I, do, I think I played, uh, I'm not positive, but I think it was like a, a newscaster or something like this, mm. like like kind of like liberal sort of like Janine Garofalo type <laughs> okay. newscaster person. Yeah. Yeah. They like some kind of, I, but I think I might've done another voice on it too. It was like it, Bobby Kelly, mm-hmm. um, comic Robert Kelly, uh, mm-hmm. called me up and he was like, Hey, uh, dummy. Yeah, that's how they all talk <laughs> yeah. to each other in New York. And just, Hey, dumb, dumb. You want to do this thing? And I was like, sure. Yeah. And then he's like, a hey, guy's going to call you tomorrow. Ugh, you annoy me or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they do something nice. Yeah. But him and Keith Robinson. Yeah. It's oh, like, wow. Hey, stupid. Uh, I got some work for you, you goddamn idiot. And then they'll give you something really cool. Yeah. So Bobby just called me. I'm like, oh, Grand Theft Auto. That's cool. You know, and then the guy called me and it was like the hottest day of the year in New York. Like it was like and um, the there was no AC in the building and it was like a hundred. Like it was crazy. And I was in one of those little sound booths. I was in there with him for like two hours, like sweating so much. And I and they were just like letting me do anything, but giving me no direction. So I didn't know if I was like wildly failing and bombing and they were horrified by me or they were like delighted with everything I was doing. You know, this it's like the most confusing person to read that just watches you and you're like, am, am I delighting you or horrifying you right now? I can't tell. <laughs> like you know? half my audiences. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Where they just look at you with that sort of like vaguely pleasant expression. And yeah. you're like, I'd rather you almost be furious or yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, then when I left, um, 
he was really nice. Like he brought, he's like, oh, great job. And I'm like, I needed that expression like an hour. But, but uh, yeah, so um, it was cool to do. But that's how it happened. And Apparently yeah. you killed it because uh, pretty popular. Everybody reaching out to you through Twitter and stuff about they it. They just find out anybody that's on the game and everybody goes, you know, it's like it's like the same thing with Venture Brothers. And it, people are so obsessed with that show. Yeah. And after I did it, that was the same thing. People were like, like, did you know that they have these very specific like questions about the plot and the creation of Venture Brothers? I'm like, I have no information for you. I'm completely <laughs> useless. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it? I mean, because you've done a lot of a lot of cool stuff. What would you say has been one of the coolest experiences uh, you've had? I mean, aside from the podcast today, that's got to be top three. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, arrived. Oh yeah, that's that's how I this felt. This is I am show business. That's oh, what you yeah. should call this, by the way. I should call it. We should call this show business. I am sh- yeah show business. The business of show. Brian, let's switch the name up. We're going the, the business of show for next week. It's done. Yeah. As, yes. If Rachel what is, says what it, that's is what this called? This is the comedy's old podcast. Very very generic. Very generic brand here. Hey, you guys, come on. <laughs> How about something a little edgier, like get off my dick or something? Ooh, yeah. I like that. I'm down. I've been saying that for years. Done. That really could done. be the... Done. Comedy Zone podcast. Get off my dick. <laughs> this <laughs> is the business of show. The business of show. Now get off my dick. Yeah, we'll be both. Get off backslash get off my dick. <laughs> business of show, backslash get off my dick. That's backslash your new title. Backslash get off yeah. my dick. So you, you worked with Shaq. I did. Uh, spent a lot of time with Shaq. I'm a huge NBA fan, so that's like... What what was that like? He's exactly like you would imagine. He's like the most fun person in the world. Yeah, and he's like silly, and he just wants to talk to everybody in public everywhere. Like he can't, nobody has a story of going up to Shaq and Shaq not talking back to them. Like, yeah, and if people aren't talking to him, he starts to speak to them. Yeah, <laughs> he's just fun and silly and ridiculous. Yeah, he would let me take his phone and like, I, I was always trying to take his phone and play like text roulette with it. I'm like, can I text like Barkley or whatever? Oh. You know? <laughs> And he's like, awesome. all right, Rach, I'm giving you 10 seconds. Um, yeah, he, he would always call me the Jewish nigga Minaj. That's how he'd bring me up. He'd br- we'd open the show like that. And they'd be like, you can say that every time. You've got to call her something different. He's like, no, she's the Jewish nigga Minaj. <laughs> but yeah, he gave me his phone and I just like text Barkley, like really embarrassing shit. Like I'd just be like, I'm feeling really frightened right now. It's uh, <laughs> like real, a lot of gentle texts to Barkley, just like, would you ever want to go to Pottery Barn with me? I feel like we don't spend enough time together on the weekends, you know? And Barkley would write back, like, I, oh, I think, what do you write? He's like, I'd rather get a pedicure with Dwight Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were always, like, nailing Dwight Howard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every once in a while, like, we'd just be in the middle of, like, a meal. Shaq loves hookah bars, so we'd go to hookah bars at lunch. And we'd just be sitting around, and he'd, like, eat some hookah bar. And then... um. We'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, like out of the blue, we'd just be like, "Dwight Howard's a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait, we weren't even talking about Dwight Howard, Shaq." Had it. And now, it really you. right <laughs> now, I'm picturing Shaq at a hookah bar. Like I'm, I'm picturing like with every puff, he needs a new cold. Like you can't. <laughs> That man's got, he's got to have deep lungs. Like, he must be awful to go to hookah he's, with. He's like, clearing it. We needed 20 coals to hang out with Shaq at the hookah bar. He's, he's so insane. It's like, you can't, I, you cannot picture, like, being next to him. It makes you feel like the most tiny, delicate woman in the world. Yeah. Like, he's, even. his shoe, like, they, I thought it was like a prop when I first came in there. I'm like, oh, what's that for, like, it's like some sort of a monster on the, yeah. I had no idea. And then I was like, that's Shaq's foot. It, he just makes everybody, he makes men seem like so useless next to him. If I was a man, I would never want to stand next to him. No. He makes them just seem so pointless and dainty next to him. There was like a showrunner on the show. And whenever he tells Shaq to do something he didn't want to do, 
the guy be like, hey, Shaq, say this. And he'd be like, that's corny, Greg. I'm not saying it. <laughs> and then uh, he'd be like, oh, come on, Shaq. And he'd come over. And he was like, you know, one of the executive producers of the show. And whenever Shaq would get annoyed with him, he would just pick him up like a baby and hold his dumb body in the air. Oh be like, Greg, do you want me to pick you up infant style? I'm going to pick you up infant style. I'm not doing that, Greg. You want me to pick you up like an infant? And he'd be like, Greg, no, Shaq, just please. And then he'd just pick him up and hold his dumb man body in the air like All his right. stupid legs were dangling, you know. <laughs> He, the director wore this little Dodgers cap and he tucked his ears in it and that like annoyed Shaq so be like <laughs> untuck your ears from your dumb Dodgers cap I'm gonna pick you up like a baby that was his threat to everything <laughs> I'm gonna pick you up like a dumb and he would he'd just hold men in the air and then that was their punishment just being held like gently held for a while it was such a dumb thing but it was so hilarious you so, know? so as, a, as a comedian interacting with Shaq like that because the thing that strikes me about Shaq is like when I see him on television and stuff Shaq strikes me as the kind of person where however funny Shaq actually is he thinks it's plus five like <laughs> yeah. Shaq's been told he's really funny like I like I when I see him I'm like a a lot of people told Shaq he was funny. And well, we give him shit too, though. Yeah, yeah like because sometimes he'll say jokes, and it's like he might just take somebody's name and switch it up. Like, "What's up, Dorkopotamus?" And he just thinks that's a like amazing. Yeah, exactly. like he thinks he just told like he just did George Carlin seven words. Like he just. But did we'd that. be like Shaq. That stinks. It's not. <laughs> funny. I, yeah. I just wanted like so people kept it real. He, he kind of likes being mocked. He's one of those people that likes to be made fun of. So he'd be like. Rish, is this funny? And then he'd have like some awful riddle. And I'm like, what? you need to get that app off your phone that's giving you like these terrible morning riddles. And I'd be like, no, Shaq, it stinks. He's like, all right, I hear you. It stinks. So yeah, he kind of likes to be made fun of. He likes it when comedians make fun of him. So we would give him a lot of shit. You know, he'd just go through his jokes. He'd be like, how's this? And he's like, ah, I do stink, don't I? <laughs> That's what's up. So this, so your career is taking you all over the place. And this, this guy started for you. You left home at like seventeen to pursue uh, uh, comedy directly, or what? what I you... moved it with this guy in his band called Dick Sister. I had no plan in life. Yeah, it was just I moved with this guy. Wait, wait, what was the name of that band again? Dick Sister. Dick Sister. Yeah. Is that like Robert's or sister? Or I mean like Richard's <laughs> right. sister? Is that is that what this was for? Or like? Just dick sister. I mean, you're not going to find any intelligent root to the word. Yeah. Stop looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I had no plan in life. And I wasn't going to go to college because my grades, it wasn't even a question. I didn't even take my SATs. But um, so I just moved to New York. Um, and then uh, and then he broke up with me really soon after we got there. So I was like, oh my goodness. Freshly dumped by dick sister. Very hurtful. <laughs> mm. And then my dad came back to get me. Like, that was one of the saddest moments of my life. Like, I told everybody I was leaving to New York. I was like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to go be in the business of show, the name of your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I was like, goodbye, everyone. And I had like this vague idea that I would do comedy, but I had no plan. I was just moving in with Dick's sister. And so I like wrote in everybody's yearbook, like, NYC, just some dumb shit. I thought I was like a beastie boy just because I was moving to New York. I was such an asshole, you know? Right. I was like, I'm moving to New York. Get off my dick. The other name of your podcast. Get off my dick. And so, oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you. I love you, Mike. We just thank deliver you. mozzarella sticks to yeah. Rachel. Oh, look Everybody, at that. Everybody, it's for everyone. In the morning. Damn, they fried them special for you. They don't usually Yeah, well, you know, I'm worth it. Oh, yeah, yeah, big deal. <laughs> Shit. So, so, yeah, so that's what happened. It was for about a guy when you, yeah. when you moved up there. So yes, and then and then he broke up with me. My dad came, he drove to New York, and he, in like the Feinstein grocery getter, like our 
Dodge Caravan and he like repacked me. Is there a sadder oh. moment in life where you've been freshly oh. dumped? You just moved to New York and then he had to bring my things back to Maryland because I was dumped and I wasn't allowed to stay there. That's the <laughs> hardest moment yeah. when dad has to come back and get you. Oh, it hurts something awful. Oh, I remember man. when I didn't want to go back home. I had to tell everybody that's I failed. The oh. worst. Yeah, that's I remember that when I went to college. Like yeah. girls, like fathers would move them in and then some of them would get pregnant. And then, like a semester later, they were moving back out. And there's no sadder scene. I don't care what you're doing in life than when dad has to come get you. Like, that's like you have failed miserably at, in your own mind, you failed miserably at whatever's going on if dad's got to come pick you up. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a rough deal. Now, your, your father, uh, a civil rights attorney, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's interesting because my father's an attorney. Really? What kind of attorney? My dad was a public defender. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. He that's was such a, a hard job. Where was he a public defender? He was a public defender in Media, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philly. Right. Um, he was a public defender for about 15 years. And awesome. then he switched over to personal injury. So wow. my dad was the guy like, we get you results. Like my dad had like a big, <laughs> my dad had like a big, a big billboard. Sign. Yeah, with like Amazing. crutches and a pile of money. And he's like sitting uh, in the thumbs middle of up. It. Yeah, like was that was my dad. Were you just like hoping to get an accident? Did yeah, you, it, it, I actually got an accident. Uh, and did he hook you up? Oh, yeah. I got you like, yeah, I got like 20,000. Really? Um, yeah, I, I got in a car crash. because He was I, like the better call Saul of Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, that was my dad. <laughs> like I'm a lawyer too. Uh, during the day I practice law. And uh, I remember what I was. What kind of law? I do uh, contracts and personal injury. I do some Very personal injury stuff. stuff. Yeah. So I remember uh, in law school, I got hit uh, by a drunk driver. I was driving the car. I got hit by one car. The car spun around a little bit, and then I got hit by a second car. And as soon as the car, uh, my car, came to a stop, uh, I called my dad. That's all I could think to do. And I said, Dad, uh, I just got in an accident. What do I do? He said, Don't move. Don't move. Go to the hospital. <laughs> Go to the hospital. Like, that was his big thing. Go to the hospital. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy sitting next to me, uh, one of my buddies from law school was in the car with me. He got out the car like, oh, I'm good, man. I'm all right. I'm, I'm like, man, you need to sit your ass back down. <laughs> so he's like, no, no, I'm good. So then I felt okay, but I still, I'm going to the hospital. So I sat stiff. And then the ambulance came, and the ambulance came up, and they kind of wheeled me off like one of those football players off the field. <laughs> and I gave everybody the thumbs up, like the little like I felt fine, but I still need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, and I had a sprain, and then my knee was messed up a little bit, and I ended up getting about twenty some thousand. My buddy that got up and started doing jumping jacks, zero. Wow. They're gonna take it back from you once you hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about it, jackass. Oh, I'm so, oh, I'm so open about it. I'm so, like because you know, and, and then people tell me, "Oh, well, you, you know, that's kind of messed up. You screwed over." I'm like, "Listen, these insurance companies try to screw oh, yeah. you out of every single oh, yeah. penny. So if I can get a win, I'm gonna take a win." So you know, that's that's how that went. But but with your parents, Rachel, that was that a big shock for them that you didn't want to go the the college route or anything else, given it their background. Um, I think they lost hope very, very early on, but um, they, I mean, my, everybody else in my family went to graduate school for sure. So, I mean, it, it was, it's weird because also I feel like, like I have this name, like Rachel Feinstein. It just sounds like, I think people think I'm smart cause I'm sarcastic and Jewish, but yeah. I have no information really, you know? <laughs> so I think people definitely expected, like they expect a little more out of you, but, but my parents are so liberal, like my you know, maybe in, in the community, like in a larger way, you know, but you get judged more. But my, my parents are so liberal, like they don't care at all. I mean, they're just like, do exactly what you want to do with your life. You know, my dad's a blues wow. musician and 
now full time. So wow, yeah, he ended up quitting law after a while, and and they weren't do, they weren't doing um civil rights. He worked for the Department of Justice, and they stopped oh, doing yeah. taking those kinds of cases once we were growing up. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you were in D.C. then? Yeah, oh, yeah, and okay. so he. Well, we lived in Maryland. He worked in D.C. And so um, and then once he stopped getting those cases, he was really depressed and he was unhappy. And, Mm. you know, for a lot of my childhood, he just, you know, he wanted to play music and he felt like he couldn't. And now he does it full time. So he plays piano and Zydeco accordion. And so I think he when I was trying to do comedy and like flailing around and like scared and not knowing what I was doing, he he was. I remember calling him like, I don't know, maybe I should just go back because I didn't stay in New York. Mm-hmm. I moved back to my parents after I was dumped by Dick's sister. But then I just rented a room there. <laughs> you know, like I was like, I can't. This is too embarrassing. <laughs> I was like going back and forth. I was like living in New York on the weekends at this rented room. But then I get lonely and I come back. It was very strange. And I had a part time job in Maryland. Yeah. So it was like halfway between both both places. But I really wanted to move home because I missed my friends. And I was just like wildly depressed. And so I remember telling him, I think I'm going to just go back and I'll go to um, community college at Montgomery College where we, you know, and mm-hmm. I had this like sort of more gelatinous plan for my life. And he was just <laughs> like, don't do that. You know, you said you wanted to do comedy. That's something you wow. keep talking about. So stay in New York and do it. And uh, at the time I was just kind of like, like, fuck, why doesn't my dad want me to come home? Like, it just seemed very harsh, you know? Yeah. But now, yeah, I, yeah like, it just weird. seemed a little harsh. A little too just, supportive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But now I'm like, I think he just didn't, he didn't want me to make the mistake he did of not doing what he really loved. So mm. I think he, yeah, that's probably why he pushed me more. So they were pretty encouraging in that way, you know? That's really cool. And I think that's that's a big uh, piece for any comedian oh, yeah. is having that family support. Me and John were talking about, uh, that's or JB. Rare. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about it earlier because we're both married mm. and, and our wives are supportive of what we do. And when yeah, you have a huge. family unit, no matter yeah. how it is, that supports you, that's, that's a big piece because this game is... Man, like it's it could exhausting. go. Yeah, it's exhausting, exhausting. and it's so uncertain. Mm-hmm. Like when you make a move like that, were you confident that okay, this is gonna become whatever is you know like I'm gonna have I'm gonna make it I'm gonna be on I TV. I keep stuffing my face. I'm like waiting <laughs> to talk. <laughs> um, was like, what's the question? No, no, no. Just, Those I'll are some ask. good mozzarella. Sticks, I will, yeah, I they will can throw go. off your train of thought if you got the right. But I, no, I was just asking when you. Uh oh, we got it. Uh oh, uh oh. Oh no. Who knows oh, no. the Heimlich? Look at Brian jumping up. Sit down, Brian. He's like, did you always know? As I'm choking on a mozzarella stick, I'm such a pig. Wait, Will, um, does she have a case? Uh, she might have a case. Keep choking. Oh, don't move. First of all, don't move. Just stay right there. It's called a, no, call a paramedic. I'm a real fucking princess. I'm sitting here choking on mozzarella sticks. I can't wait to eat. <laughs> no, you just, guys eat too, so I don't feel like such an animal. Let's just all stuff our faces while we're talking. I would, but I'm on my. I'm on a health boot camp. I need to lose weight. Shut up. Have a mozzarella. Stick. I, I know. I, 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 I'll, I'll do the believe. I'll, I'll spit it back out later if I do. I don't even want to front on your mozzarella. You don't need to lose weight. What are you talking about? Does he, does yeah. he have some sort of disorder? Well, that's the thing. I got married and got big. That's his disorder. Yeah, that's weird. You're I not just, making any sense. You're not. Overweight. I just. I, I do. I, you know, part of it was when I was a kid, I got made fun of for being fat. Oh, and I think I've had a kind of a weight complex a little bit. I think that's been part of my thing. So I, I need to drop weight. though. I, I do. I, I just I want to live the healthy lifestyle. I'm. I, no, you don't. You're bulimic. Get I hold of yourself, you <laughs> lunatic. Coming from somebody that looks like you, who I, if you didn't know any better, you think you did a 5K every other week. So, <laughs> as she murders these mozzarella sticks, like murders them. <laughs> 
So do you work out? Are you into that at all? Or you just yeah, kind of do your thing? Yeah, I box. I take this boxing class with these other comics in New York. Yeah. Really? It's really fun. Yeah. Wow. Me and um Keith Robinson. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah. You just mentioned him. Philly guy. They all just scream at us all the time. Like the comics just like make fun of each other. I think the boxing instructors like constantly horrified because everybody's <laughs> such they're such animals. You know, <laughs> we just give each other shit all the time. Like I walked into the gym one day and. And uh, Keith just kept screaming like Rachel's a whore for no reason. Oh my like, he just, Yeah, and I'm like, we're in the middle of the gym, but that's just what he says about anybody, you know? Yeah. Like, God damn it, Marina's a whore, you know? <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and this woman was on the treadmill, like she looked just like so disgusted. Yeah, she was just staring at him, like, what's? Why are they in an abusive relationship with this <laughs> elder, you know? And um, and then I told the. And then they told the boxing instructor that I was a Puerto Rican nurse, but I didn't know that he, he that they had told him that. So that's so, <laughs> great. that's so great. Him and Bobby Kelly told him I was a Puerto Rican nurse. So one day I'm like boxing with him, mm-hmm. and he's like getting me, you know, like riled up or whatever. And he's like, "You keep going." And then he starts going, "Box." He's like West African. I'm not doing that impression right, but he goes, "Box like you boxing for your patients." And I'm like, "What does that mean? Like my patient, like Serenity?" I was like, "This is interesting." Like I was trying to get into it, you know? Right. And I kept doing it, like, box like you're boxing for your patients. And I was like, that's beautiful. You know, I'm like, why do you say that, boxing for your patients? He's like, your patient's in the hospital. Like, we're like you're defending your patient. I'm like, what patient? What are you talking about? <laughs> See, he's like, Keith told me you're a nurse. And I was like, I'm not a nurse. God damn it. I'm like, what else did he say about me? He's like, he said you're a Puerto Rican nurse. I don't know. <laughs> Just making up shit. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going the road. I told you I was on the road. He goes, I asked him about that. Why you say you're on the road? They said you're a traveling nurse. <laughs> Such a bunch of assholes. See, my only experience with boxing was, uh, I remember years ago when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I, we had decided, me and my dad, that I was going, because I enjoyed boxing, I liked watching it. So I said, maybe I'll give it a try, you know, a little sport to get into. And the first day that I walked into the gym, I met the trainer, and he said, I think you'll be really good if you stick with it. And I said, well, why do you think that? He said, because you have a strong neck. And I said, well, what, the, what does a strong neck have to do with it? He says, so when you get hit, you should have bounced right back. I yeah. said, this, I think I'm done. I'm, I, I'm not a Pez dispenser. Like, you're not going to have my neck snapping the hell back. Like, I'm, nah, I'm good. I'm good. So that was my only experience with boxing. So kudos to you for getting no, it there. I don't, I don't go fight in the ring, but it's an amazing workout. I mean. You hitting a heavy bag and all that? No, yeah. And he has the mitts on and you box with him. So, okay. I mean, it's he boxed in the Olympics for Guyana. He's amazing, you know. Yeah. But, um. But I have no desire to go in a ring and box somebody. I'm sure I'd get like mangled. I don't want my yeah, my face would come out all fucked up. I don't want that to happen. My body just dumb body go like hurling through the air. I'm no no interest at all. But it's a hell of a workout though, huh? It's an amazing workout. Yeah, it's really fun. That's cool. Too. Yeah, and we just talk shit and you know. But um and it's fun to do it with the comics, then we just all go to the cellar after and have lunch and So know. all the other comics like box camp. too, like Keith awesome. and all them, Bobby Kelly, all these cats yeah. are there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keith and Marina and um, Franklin, who's really funny, and yeah, a bunch of us. And uh, Ryan Hamilton comes yeah. to boxing, and yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, Dan so Natterman that... sometimes. Dan yeah. Natterman. He's hilarious. <laughs> hey, he is funny. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, working with Amy Schumer and Judd Apatow and that movie Trainwreck that's coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, July. yeah, that was really mm, fun. Yeah, yeah. That, I could only imagine what it's like to work work with them, but like you didn't have to box any of them, did you? Like They don't work out with you there, Judd Wait, Amy go- was boxing with us, Amy but, um, but uh, at, on the movie, no, I wasn't okay. asked to box right. anyone in the, in the cast. That's one of the best Aww. questions I've ever been asked. <laughs> did you box any of the members of the cast during the movie? Yeah. I was hoping you would say yes. <laughs> It's a little fantasy. Did y'all, did they, did you take the, how, how heated did it get? <laughs> did you sweat a lot? 
Oh God. Um, it was, uh, it was really fun. It was just like a blast working on it. And LeBron James is in it. And wow. So, and I was doing like punch up for the movie. So I'd like write things down on a piece of paper, like a little suggestion for a line, you know, cause uh, Apatel likes to have people like, um, improvise and stuff, you know? So I'd write down a little thing and then the, you put it on a piece of paper and this is the way it works, I guess with him. And then you bring it to Apatow and hand it to him. Mm-hmm. And then he puts the paper down next to him and you have no idea whether he thinks it was funny or not. Oh, you know? It's yeah. a vague expression. <laughs> so the first day, like, I mean, I'd already done my scene, but then I came back to do a little writing. So the first day I just like, I walked up and I like, and they're like, yeah, you, you know, Amy's sister, who's a really funny writer, um, they're doing a, writing a movie together right now, Kim Carmelli. And Kim was explaining to me how it works. She's like, you write down something on the paper and then just walk it up to him. I'm like, that sounds like the most terrifying, daunting thing in the world. Right. Yeah. Like handing an assignment or something. Yeah, so a few times I just do it and you just place it there and just no reaction whatsoever. I just want to like take my own life. And then... Um, and then uh, he started using them. So like, it, and it was LeBron's scene. So huh. that was fun. Like, yeah. So you wrote jokes for LeBron? A few, you know. I, oh, I mean, Amy sad. wrote the movie, but you know, it was all Amy. But um, but I wrote a little. Like, I got to do some. You know, like a lot of in a lot of movies, they'll have comics come in and do like punch up and add some extra lines here and there. So it was really fun to do. It was just an interesting experience, you know. And LeBron was like. Probably the loveliest person I've ever met. He's really? like so sweet and like shy and just really adorable. He was there with his whole family. And my brothers were just like frantically texting me. I mean, they're such assholes. They're just completely obsessed with the, you know, NBA everything. So they're just calling me like Oh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, they're like, did he move his wrist at all? Like like I was just like, What do you even what did you just ask me? They're like, did he take a yeah. sip yet? Like, yeah, they're just Is completely that obsessed. Yeah. Um, they I were just it. trying to get me to take picture. They were just being really hostile and abusive, trying to get me to take a picture of him, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, and, and my brothers are like, like, they're like these nebishy, like my brother's like a nebishy, like Jewish social worker, <laughs> but he like punches a wall if like his team loses. They're all like that. Oh, my, I'm my, that my family. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. He had to take like a walk and like forgive LeBron when he left Cleveland. Oh, that like, was we, You don't know people. him. And he's like, you just had a lot of anger at LeBron. I'm finally <laughs> ready to forgive him. I'm like, you're such a bitch. That's the thing about but, dudes. Like dudes are to like about LeBron and those guys, the way 16 year olds are about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Forget like it's it. that when I, level of, when I was working with Shaq. Oh, forget it. Yeah. They kept giving me these really specific questions to ask to Shaq. They'd be like, when he was getting coached in triangle defense under Phil Jackson, did he, you know? And so we would be at like that. We were at that hookah place. And I'm like, Shaq, when you got coached in triangle defense, you're like, and I had this long monologues or whatever. And I kept thinking he was going to be like, where are you reading that? Be like, I'm glad you asked that, Rach. (laughs) (laughs) He never missed a beat. And he always gave me like a really detailed answer. My brother's like, what did he say? And I'm like, I have no idea. I could never possibly. Like, fuck you. You've got to tell us. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and you know, the funny thing is Rachel has to be one of the few, like, because because Rachel's very attractive. She's a beautiful woman. I'll take it. Yeah, she is. She and is. But yeah. Rachel has to be one of the few, like, beautiful, known women that guys don't dream about being with her. They dream about being her. Like, like dudes, I'm sure, like, just to meet LeBron and meet those kind oh, of people, yeah. like, that's every dude's, like, are you kidding me? And you talk about it so matter of fact. Like, I remember there was a, a girl I knew in law school, and she was talking about some guy trying to holler at her. And whatever it is, long roundabout story was Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And maybe he wasn't trying to holler and she mistook it or whatever. But every dude that heard that was like, oh, my God. Like, if you, I, I mean, could you maybe meet him again and tell him this for me? <laughs> like, dudes are like that. We get real irrational when it comes to sports. Oh, like, yeah, that's, yeah. We they would just hurl that. their wives at any, like, like, go ahead, go fuck him and tell you maybe what he <laughs> <learns."> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
I'm still trying to understand if that was a compliment or an insult. Guys don't want to be with you. They well, want to be a what? No, no, it was a compliment. He was just talking, compliment. Because, I mean, you're talking about, you know, you take kickboxing classes or boxing classes with all these comics and stuff. That just sounds like the ultimate dude's dream right there um, to just go and hang out with a bunch of funny people. And then now you're working with all these athletes and stuff like that. That's all he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, thanks for translating for yeah, me, JD. That's, that's, that's all. That's, that's all I'm talking about. It's like, with, it's like that line Kanye said one time. He was like, I'm dope and I do dope shit. Rachel is dope and she does dope shit. But she doesn't have to say it. Like, no, she doesn't say that at all because it's like just what she's saying is like is translated to dopeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah like dudes are really yeah, gonna fuck it. I'm the truth. The I'm the she truth. is the <laughs> Rachel is the truth. Well, it looks like it looks like. I first of all, we could talk to you. All you're fantastic. Thank you well, for I thought coming. We we're just getting this. started. Did you have another question? Uh, well, I had I had a lot more questions, but I think we got to wrap it up. They got us under time constraints. Maybe next time you're in town, you can come back and see us again. That would you were. Thank fantastic. you so much, you guys. <laughs> well, if you if you don't have anywhere to go she could stick around for segment three we'll just do it you know a quick segment three you want to stick around sure. sure. i don't know if it's all right with Let's with do it. the with your handler this way sure, he doesn't care <laughs> okay <laughs> all right well why don't we uh, let's take a quick break we'll come back with okay three. yeah like he said we'll be right back how how long is segment three? yeah we do Hey guys, me again. You can find Rachel Feinstein on Twitter at Rachel Feinstein, R-A-C-H-E-L-F-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Keep up with her tour dates and other news at rachelfeinstein.com. You can download Thug Tears on iTunes and see her on Comedy Central on Friday, July 11th at 12.30 a.m. You can follow the show, The Comedy Zone Podcast, on Twitter at at the CZ Podcast and email us at comedyzonepodcast at gmail.com. Will Jacobs is on Twitter at I am Will Jacobs. Spencer Taylor is at Spencer Taylor, S-P-E-N-C-A-T-A-Y-L-A. Uh, we've had a lot of folks ask us uh, when the podcast is going to show up on iTunes. We have submitted the show to iTunes. Uh, generally, iTunes likes to know that... Um, uh, a show is going to be there when they say it's going to be there. Uh, we expect to show up on iTunes within the next week or two. So certainly by the month of July, you'll be able to find the Comedy Zone podcast on iTunes. Welcome back to the Charlie Chronicle podcast. No, I'm just, I did that because there's this voice they have at the beginning that he talks like an auctioneer. <laughs> but it kind of sounds like me if you listen. He's like, welcome back. <laughs> so I always always play around with that. We're still sitting here uh, having a great time with JD and Rachel. Uh, we hanging out. I feel like we're all on first name basis now, right? If we got to that so. point? I feel like yeah, that. absolutely, you guys. Yeah, get so, off my dick. Yeah, get off. <laughs> That's the one, the one takeaway from this is we all need to get off Rachel's dick. I felt like <laughs> we were a little too much on her dick that's on the true. last. Like, that's kind of true. Like, yeah, I was, totally once she true. started mentioning her and athletes, I got a little out of control. The boxing is where I lost it. Yeah, uh, you lost it with the yeah, boxing? I lost it with the boxing. Yeah, yeah so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can rein our admiration for Rachel in a little bit and be professionals here. <laughs> Brian got an erection. I saw that that was it he was all awkward yeah he has he has yeah <laughs> a little bit uh so let's uh talk about some some things we were gonna talk about in the third segment but now rachel's here so we can talk about them we did a show the other night called funny on the fly mm-hmm. and funny on the fly is you have comedians that come to the stage and they get their topics 30 minutes before they hit the stage mm-hmm. and they've got to come up and say funny shit you see some of that out in la and they do it in certain places but these comics get a half hour well i was hosting it i usually host these things here so i was hosting it and there was a dude in the audience that just would not stop mm-hmm. talking like I called him like a like a comedy terrorist. 
where he's just determined to take the show down to the ground. And it's like, you can tell, like, he's like, I'm about yeah. to make this shit about me. Did he get kicked out? Uh, eventually, I think he just left. He just exhausted himself. Yeah, but me, but me and him went back and forth a little bit because he went from that. Because it seems like there's two kinds of hecklers. There's ones that think they're supporting the show. But like, oh, my God, they're so funny. Oh, yeah. And they just go. And yeah. then there's other kind of like, oh, this guy sucks. There's those two kinds. And yeah. he was kind of the first one that shifted into the other one. It was, yeah. yeah. Wait, so he got angry that? at the end? He he got he got a little bit angry. He got he got a little bit angry. I think because they walked over to him and started telling him, "Look, you need to." Turn what kinds down. of stuff was he saying? Yeah. He just kept yelling, "I'm homeless." Um, he yelled, "I'm homeless." <laughs> Maybe he wanted help. <laughs> I did a joke, a homeless joke, and then he started. That's talking. how he was heckling. I'm homeless. He needs, yeah. He just wanted services. He just came into any building he could find and screamed his needs. That's what I said. I said, "Are you?" I said, well, "Are you homeless?" Is that what they? I'm, I'm homeless. And he just went with that for the next two minutes. And me and him went back and forth. I finally got him to shut up and keep going with this. I, I don't think he was heckling you. I think maybe he just said, a cry like, for "Maybe help? he was homeless." <laughs> Did he look homeless? Like, Guys, this air conditioning feels great. <laughs> Did he look homeless esque? No. Nah. He didn't. He, he looked no. He, no. He had like a little tie dye uh, tank top on. Sounds homeless so far. That's, I'm not off to a good start. But he had a girlfriend with him. Uh, not that homeless people don't have girlfriends, but she didn't look homeless. Uh, so it, I think they just came in and he was gonna say whatever. He just had some drinks. Maybe the show. He was just free. thought that was funny. Yeah, he yeah. thought it was really. And that's the problem with drunk hecklers is they think they're so funny. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just like and listen they leave to this and shit. They're like, guess what we did together? It's like no, you disrupted me and you were a constant annoyance in my life. But they're like, we made a funny thing. Yeah, they right. don't understand. They like think you're the creating some kind of fucking you. quilt together. It's oh. infuriating. <laughs> so how do you? How have you dealt with that? Like. The thing, I mean, the one thing is like, it's really, I mean, it just sucks if people don't throw people out soon enough. It's annoying. But sometimes, I mean, the one good thing is that the kind of person that heckles is usually so dumb. It's not like they're like challenging you like to a battle of wits or something. I mean, they're usually such a profound moron, the type of personality that goes to a comedy club and just feels they need to scream out nonsense throughout the show. So you're dealing with a real dumb dumb, which in some ways is good and bad. I mean, it's good because it's not like they're going to say this clever thing that's just really going to floor you. It's just some, you know, complete idiot. Right. But um, it's disruptive because you'll be in the middle of a bit or something you're working on. And then you have to hear their stupid voice. And then you're just like, really? And it'll just, you know, it'll, it fucks up the show, you know? Now, have you always handled uh, hecklers correctly in your mind? Or is there sometimes where you like, you wish you could handle that? No, there's sometimes. I mean, especially if you're having a bad set when I've been bombing. And then, and then they'll be like, yeah, you stink or something. (laughs) I'm like, I don't stink. Just, there's just, the audience is like on their side, you know? And that's sad, yeah. yeah. Mm. But um, you know, it's and there are sometimes where it'll turn into a funny thing. But for the most part, it's just better if they if people just listen and enjoy, right? Yeah, but yeah. um, people didn't pay to hear them. They yeah, paid to hear you. So, exactly. Yeah, I've had people throw things at me. Some guy threw a note at me. Like, oh, what? <laughs> he was very angry during the show, and he was like busy writing up a note. I could sort of see him out of the side of my eye, and then he like cr- like curled it up and threw it at me. And it, to- it said, go back to the kitchen, which is funny, because if he'd seen me in the kitchen, he wouldn't have wanted me to return there. Like, I'm like, I'm not a really good cook. But, um, yeah, he had a little plan for my life, and he just threw a stupid note at me. <laughs> Yo, know, that's a la- I'm glad you said he balled it up, because in my mind, I was picturing him trying to throw a straight piece of paper and it going nowhere. Like that's- <laughs> I've had a few things thrown at me. A really? soft taco once. Yeah. <laughs> no way. During the show? During the show. Oh, no, yeah. that's crazy. What did, did you like offend him or something? No, like, it was a university and I was kind of in front of their taco station. They, that's where they put me. 
And I was like this sad makeshift stage. It was just like a dumb box I was standing on and people were trying to like get around me to make like hot pockets and make their tacos. I was basically just an, an impediment to people that were trying to like microwave their lunches. And so people were getting more and more annoyed with me and one guy just threw his taco at me once he finally got it. <laughs> he took out all his pre-taco anger yeah, that oh it had taken God. so long. Oh. God. So what? So those university shows. I know Jerry Seinfeld had some comments mm-hmm. recently about that how they become so PC and so yeah like, so uh, about any any kind of joke you make that may touch race or sexuality or anything. Yeah. Have you found that at your shows that you got to keep it very. I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's it's uh, it's annoying. Um, I I yeah, I always think you should be able to joke about anything because even if something is offensive or it's not, you're not coming from the right place. You have to be able to say it because it's not like you're going to figure out anything by not, you know, by not saying what you think. You know, you have to work through some stuff or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's dumb to put a lot of strange rules on what you're not allowed to say. Obviously, in television, there are like certain things and there's some environments where it'd be insane to bring up certain subjects or if there's a bunch of kids around or some shit. But otherwise, it's a comedy show and you should just be able to talk about some shit and everyone should relax. I think I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made that point. And that actually is a great place to, to uh, bring up. Number one, I just want to say with the podcast and everything we're doing today that our thoughts and prayers are with the people in Charleston. Um, mm-hmm. That's not uh, terribly far from here. And uh, when I heard that news, uh, my heart sunk. Um, so I, I just wanted to make sure that we said that. And also that it brought up an interesting thing in my mind about the role that comedy plays. Uh, because, you know, I think back to some tragic events that have happened in the country, whether it be 9-11 or some other things. And I know SNL made it a point to run the show and show that America's back at a certain place. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me wonder what the role of comedy is in this. Yeah. Um, now, when you approach your comedy, because some comedians are like, it was great to just take people's minds off of something. And other comedians are like, no, this is a place to talk about issues and, and really kind of push the envelope with things. Where do you fall on the spectrum of what you do with your comedy? when you know things are going on or, or maybe you don't feel particularly funny like because of whatever's happening like I mean well, I mean I'm not really a, a polit- really political comedian I do have a joke about like guns and gun control like sort of accidentally about that and you know like you you and um but I'm not like I didn't do it with the intent to make a difference it started with like the humor of a situation and I was kind of you know so and then sometimes something will come out through that you know so I when I like write stuff I usually try to just come from something that struck me as funny in a situation Mm. and then if it accidentally touches on some things well then that's good because okay that you know but I try not to start with a point I need to make but then if I accidentally make it not to like shy away from it right you know so so um and and then I think that it's funnier that way if you don't start with trying to make a message for me but but also I'm not really a political comedian so I don't I don't write well in that way I just that's the for me that's the process that works the mo- the best is to find a funny situation or something that was strange and off and not remove the parts of it that might be offensive or t- touch something because mm-hmm. you know maybe there'll be some truth in there somewhere but not try to start like I'm the one that's trying to explain everything to everyone or not to start with a message you know right but like John Stewart last night didn't do any material because it the situation was so sad and he just wanted to have a serious conversation about it and I thought that was like really amazing and yeah. you know and he's so smart and so good and he just says things so like well I feel like in so many ways he's like the conscious of this dumb country you know seriously yeah. very good point but um and I'll be sad when he leaves yeah but there's a lot of times whatever insane thing is happening I'll go watch Jon Stewart just to see I mean just Daily Show just to like see it through a reasonable filter it's how I get a lot of my news really you know That's a lot of so people much get of news. news is such bullshit yeah, yeah. but um 
I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't really know, I guess. I didn't really fully answer what you said. No, I mean, no, it's such I, a horrifying I, I, situation, I, so I don't know that I, I, I could even say, I, I don't know, like, that I have, like, a role that I could help at all. Like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just, I'm a comedian. These people, like, lost people they loved, and it's horrific, and, right. yeah. And that's, and that's, I think, but I think that that's the, uh, that's the kind of dynamic with any artist. It's like always trying to figure out what your role is and where you fit into this sort of grand tapestry. You know, whatever's happening, it's like, you know, am I there to just be funny? You know, am I there to just be funny or do I want to push a point or do I want to bring audiences with me to a certain place? And I think every comedian to because because just being uh, as a woman in comedy, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that there are sometimes expectations and mm-hmm. things that people throw at you that they want you to sort of advance an agenda at times or, you know, like, oh, well, this is great for women. And it's like, well, I just wanted to be funny. Like, yeah. have you have you ever encountered some of that where people place certain things upon you and it's like, I'm just. Yeah, it depends on how they act, they, you know, ask or or talk about it. So like for every time I for as long as I've been doing stand up every as long as I've been on the road and to do like newspaper interviews and stuff, everybody at some point or, you know. Not every single paper, but like again and again, people go like, people say that women aren't funny. Like, what mm. do you think about that? So there are questions that you're just so sick of being asked. And it's like, it's also so offensive. It's like, it's like, you're going to stare at me and ask me that. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, it's like asking me like, it's, I don't even understand the question. If like Jews can hear or something like, <laughs> like why wouldn't they be able to, they're human beings. Like, right. why don't, yeah, it's that dumb. It's like asking me whether I have like motor skills or something. I'm like, <laughs> what, what kind of a heap of. Like, do you think, yeah, do you really think that I'm just, well, I mean, just to look at women and be like, maybe they can't be funny. You must mm. just think they're like, yeah, complete, like just pile of trash that yeah. is a the useless pile of trash. But right. they can't be funny. Like, that's like, I don't even understand the question. It really it's is. It's the same question. as asking me if like, if Jews can smell, if they have like a sense of smell. I don't even right. understand the question. It's so like elementary, a, like a three-year-old yeah. should know this. But so there are definitely moments where I'm asked things like that and I'm just like, and again and again for like the 500th time and then or they want you to be the voice back to all the women like you know to everybody that thinks mm-hmm. that aren't women aren't funny what do you have to say to these people I'm like nothing, nothing. I, they, they sound like morons I don't rather Just not be in a conversation funny. with them yeah right so there's stuff like that or people that say like but but you know I mean I don't mind if like you know people want to discuss certain issues around you know being a woman and doing comedy or whatever you know but obviously I don't want to only talk about that because it's right. just one part of me you know right. but and there's so many funny fe- female comedians and hopefully they'll just be called comics soon you know yeah. but um i think that's starting to die out a little bit you know just because there's so, so it's getting it's getting so much more diverse and better and with everything amy's doing with her show and stuff and so you know hopefully people will stop doing that and that yeah. was always that was always weird for me to hear because it's like i grew up on janine garofalo margaret cho like these are yeah like these were big time like i mean carol but like these were big time voices for me like i grew up with this comedy gumbo where i had so many different comedians and gender really didn't play a part in whether so so that's always been a ridiculous question to me like you must have just started listening to comedy or something to wonder if women dumb but i think i think it's like i think it's a thing people like to do and people they think it's controversial or something to say or do but people saying it so much it's not it's just common and it's a really offensive thing to write articles about it's just ridiculous it doesn't make any sense that it's offensive and stupid you know but um but people do people will go up and go one thing that'll happen is like women will come up to me after shows guys and girls unfortunately and they'll be like 
You know, I usually hate female comics, uh, but you are really good. You know, that happens uh, a lot, you know, and I'm just like, why? Why would you even say something like that right. to somebody, you know? Yeah, it's just like the same thing is like I usually hate like put any other race in there. Like yeah. I usually hate Jews or I usually hate Mexicans, but you're all, you're right, all right. You know, I don't care for the blacks, but you're doing oh a great job. Like, I, if you just hear it, it's so offensive and dumb. It's you know? ridiculous. Like I've, I've been through versions as a black comic. I've been through yeah. uh, some of that. I've had people come up to me after shows and be like, you know, you're really good. You're like a like a black white comedian. Yeah. And I'm like, so what offensive. what does black white mean? Well, because I use what proper grammar is that what what we're doing now like is that what that is and then but it's like it's a weird space for me because sometimes as a black comic i find myself on stage and it's like i'll see black folks in the audience and i'll be like i hope they don't think i'm like uncle tom like am i saying like i get so in my own head about that and then after a while i find myself doing the show for them like the 10 people that are in there, do they like it? Because if they like it, then I'm keeping it real enough. And there's just so many different sort of competing things. And then when I'm up there, you know, sometimes it's like, well, am I am I being too silly or am I being this? And part of that is, you know, the law school thing. And then I went to Howard University, which is why when you mm-hmm. said D.C., I thought about that. So there's such like a social agenda in my mind as a lawyer. But then yeah. I'm a comic and my job is to be funny and free. And it's hard to be dissected like that or to feel like people it's are dissecting hard. you and judging, especially as comics, because we're always so self-critical anyway. And everybody know? wants something different. Like my yeah. family wants one thing. This audience wants one thing. Other crowds want other things. And it's like all of that plays together into this mix and sometimes if you're not careful you can be like this walking collage of other people's expectations instead of being what you are and that's it's good that you're able to find that space without getting caught up in that like that's you mean not always like i let things bother me for i mean it's it's a moron can like write anything to me and i'll i was talking about that on stage last night yeah some guy named mr twat waffles is like like always writes he's always like ranting about me under my videos or he'll just be like fat bitch i'm like mr twat oh my waffles. god that was really hurtful yeah <laughs> and yeah no matter how yeah so i'm not i'm not like it doesn't always you know just like fall off me but mm-hmm. i mean you know after a while you're just you have to learn how to you know to some degree just to try to dismiss it you know when i was doing last comic standing um Mike Stefano is a really funny comic and he was on the show and he passed away a few years ago and and um we were like backstage and I was reading everything on every message board and everybody had these different ideas about me like that were watching the show and people some people would see my sets that were like edited where punchlines were taken out and they would like mm. you know and I I would watch the set I'm like that's not funny but then and then people would trash me and you know and people were writing all kinds of crazy shit online and I was like just getting so upset about all of it <laughs> and I was telling him I'm like Mr. Twat Waffle whatever the fucking guy said <laughs> um, and I was just complaining about all these people and I'm like why is it that I can focus on like like I'll read like 10 great things and then the one mean comment just like that one mm-hmm. person in the room with the folded arms that seems like to be over you yes. and like and it hurts you to your core you know it just like shakes yep. you up mm-hmm. and I'm like why is it that I could read so many nice things and that one person that's just like Derails. not be- yeah and yeah. and Mike was like because that's the one you believe you know <laughs> And it was like such yeah. a sort of like a sad but interesting thing. I never for, I'll never forget when he said that. You know, yeah. He's like that's the one. And I guess you know you, we can, we always have to try to work on that to like make that not be the voice that we believe, like the voice that's rolling their eyes or whatever. You know, yeah, because there can be a hundred people that love you, but that one voice. Yeah, is... and they're usually just some weird asshole that's furious about something that has nothing to do with you, which is you know. <laughs> That's the funny part, too. Yeah, it's just probably some dick that's, like, angry at his wife and he's glaring into no- nothingness thinking about her. And you're like, that guy hates me. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So then what? So what's what's next? I'm going to 
go to Montreal for a little bit and do some shows for the Just for Laughs Festival. Nice. That'll be fun. And then I'm doing that um, this show on Amazon. It's like about the this 80s country club. And I play cool. um, a swinger in the 80s. I like play this weird, intrusive swinger that's always trying to get people to sleep with me and my husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I play a hostile swinger. Now, how are you about um, watching watching your own stuff? Like whether it's uh, you in a movie or you on stage or because some oh, people it's awful. Are I hate like, watching ah. myself. Don't you guys? That's yeah. the worse. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing Bad. worse. Because yeah. <laughs> then yeah. you are that voice that like you're the person in the crowd that's angry at yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I just watched my last special like because I was trying to figure out what material I could and couldn't do, and I was absolutely furious by the time I was done. I was just like, for the love of God, shut up. Please do us all a f- What did you really need to get out there? You had a lot of things you had to fucking get out to the people. I can't stand watching myself. Whenever I do, strutting around the stage, are you a real sassy New Yorker? You have a lot of opinions you want to get out there? I'm just like, God damn it, shut up, please. I, I know it's traumatic for my wife because we'll listen to my stuff and I'm like, oh, here I go, here I go. Here I go again. You know, I get so, like I get so. She's like, "Babe, you sound great. You don't. No, no, that was all wrong." Oh, like, I know it's so hard. I just feel like I sound like so sassy, and I'm like, "Oh, you got a lot of edgy things you need to get into the world." Shut up. It's the worst. I'm like, I become George Costanza. So now, <laughs> there I go. Here I go again. There I go doing it again. Like that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty terrible. So, uh, well, uh, we again, we ran out of time. Thanks uh, so much, you guys. Rachel, thank you so much for coming and sharing your so mozzarella fun. sticks. and They were great. Just being everything you you've great. been today. We This was good. Really thank good. Thank you. Seriously. I had so much fun, you guys. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll see you all next week. The Comedy Zone podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone podcast are Brian Hepburn, Lisa Barr, and Brian Baltashevitz. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. <laughs>